is News Talk ZB News. It's six o'clock. I'm Raylene Ramsey. Forestry is getting $58 million in the wellbeing budget. Forestry Minister Shane Jones says the cash injection will keep the one billion trees goal ahead of target and transform the sector. Here's Chief Political Reporter Alex Mason. Te Uru Forestry New Zealand will double its regional presence in the next two years, building new premises in Rotorua. Over the next four years, it will create a plan to provide sustainable jobs, training and clear career pathways. And it will develop a strategy covering commercial and indigenous forestry, trees and wood processing for the next 20 years. The Ministry of Social Development isn't ruling out intimate photos being used as evidence in fraud investigations. The high-risk fraud investigation unit's under fire after accepting recommendations to change its investigation approach. The Ministry's Viv Rickard told Heather Duplessy Allen he can't predict how all future investigations will run. There may be a case in terms of something in the future with the circumstances I'm not aware of today where that particular evidence balanced with everything out might be relevant. The Commerce Commission has closed its investigation into businessman David Ferrier's purchase of 70% of Cavalier Wool Holdings Limited. It's the country's only scouring business and Ferrier already owned the only wool dumping operation. Since the Commission opened its investigation in October, Ferrier has sold his majority interest in New Zealand wool dumping, which resolves concerns about competition. A jury has been unable to reach a verdict in the trial of an Auckland teacher accused of committing indecent acts on boys. Chelsea Daniels reports. Benjamin Swan has been on trial in the High Court at Auckland for the past two weeks, accused of 11 charges of doing an indecent act. Justice Elsa Duffy discharged the jury this afternoon as they again couldn't reach verdicts after three days of deliberations. Swan was remanded on bail and will appear in court again next month as the Crown decides whether to seek a retrial. The end of the Jeremy Kyle show could change reality TV as we know it. ITV has cancelled the popular but controversial show after the death of a guest soon after taping an episode. UK correspondent Stuart Hughes says other shows also face scrutiny. The issue with these programmes is are they putting people at risk who might be vulnerable at a a point in their lives when they're unable to foresee the consequences for themselves and their families? TVNZ has also pulled the show and removed all online episodes. A climate emergency doesn't get the same urgency as other kinds of of emergency. Environment Canterbury was the country's first council to declare a climate emergency. And Nelson City Council has just followed its lead. But ECAN Deputy Chair Peter Scott told Heather Duplessy-Allen this doesn't mean Canterbury will see huge changes all at once. I don't think we'll intensify anything. I think that it puts a spotlight on the fact that we are paying attention and that we will get on and make sure that people are aware of what's going on. Findings from a new survey will help make white baiting more sustainable. Nearly 3,000 Kiwis filled in DOC survey on management of the catch and more than 90% want changes. Docs Martin Keswick says they're happy with the public engagement and are already investing in protecting whitebait habitats. In sport, good evening. New Zealand rugby is gauging interest in a possible change to the formats of the Mitre 10 Cup provincial competition, as rugby editor Nigel Yeldon reports. A survey is circulating looking for feedback on two structures which would fit within the current 12-week window. The first is the status quo of premiership and championship divisions with seven teams in each, 
crossover games, semi-finals and a final. The second is the single ladder format used in the Heartland Championship. Now that would see teams play 10 out of the 13 other teams during the regular season with the top four competing for the Rugby Cup and teams positioned 5 through 8 playing for the Championship Cup. Meantime, a welcome sight for the Chiefs and for the All Blacks coaches. Sam Kane will return off the bench for the Chiefs for Saturday's Super Rugby derby against the Blues. It's his first match since he suffered a serious neck injury in the test against the Springboks in Pretoria last October. Chiefs assistant coach Tumba Matson says it's a great boost. But, but one thing he does do and he's done all week is he brings a real intensity of body and mind to trainings and so him being at trainings has lifted trainings. The timing is fantastic for us. The Chiefs have suff- shuffled their four pack due to injury while there's four changes for the Blues including a first start of the year for Lock Scott Scrafton. Super Rugby with Property Ventures specialising in new off-plan builds near you. Andrea Hewitt's hopes of a fourth Olympics in 2020 appear to be over. The veteran triathlete was defunded by Triathlon New Zealand earlier this year after she chose not to compete in the season's World Series, which serves as qualification for the Games. Hewitt also didn't receive performance grants this year after she finished outside the top ten in last year's World Series standings. Hewitt doubts she'll be at fourth Olympics. It's all about world rankings. And then there's another factor as well, and it's a mixed team relay. Last year I didn't make the world champs team, so the same athletes who compete in the mixed team relay will be in the individual triathlon as well in Tokyo. Softball New Zealand is mourning the death of an icon. Dave Sorensen, an international and local Hall of Famer, as well as a world champion, has died aged 76. I'm Elliot Smith. That's news and sport with wet and forget. Remember, their products work you don't. It's five past six. News Talk ZB Auckland. Time saver traffic. Affordable whiteware, TVs and more from Nolim and Clarence Centres. The southern breakdown is blocking the centre lane after the Penrose Road overbridge that is city bound. Traffic busy from Highbrook to the city. The other way, the city to Mount Wellington, then after Princes Street. The northwestern still busy into Lincoln Road and that tail still in the city. The northern motorway from the Vic Park Tunnel through to Upper Harbour is crawling. 34 litre sharp microwave for only 199 at Nolim and Clarence Centres. News Talk ZB Weather Watch 24-7 with Hitachi heat pumps from just $999 plus installation. Strong wind advisory for all areas. Monaco and Waitamata Harbours southwesterlies of 25 knots will gust 35. The sea rough. Hodaiki Gulf and Bream head to Cape Colville. Southwest uh, 25 gusting 35 and to 30 gusting 40 for a time tonight. And again, the sea rough. High tide for Auckland is at 19 to 6 tomorrow morning. And for Onehunga, next one at 9 to 9 tonight. And for Auckland, long fine spells, some isolated showers, mainly in the west and fresh southwesterly winds. Tomorrow, Friday, cloudy at times with isolated morning showers and southwesterlies. Low tonight, 14 right now, 15 degrees. Getting you in the game. It's the Business Hour with Heather Duplessy-Allen on Newstalk ZB. Good evening. At seven past six, more than five million visitors a year are expected to travel to New Zealand by 2025. That's up from 3.9 million last year. The government today launched the new strat- uh, tourism strategy, which aims to better manage growth. Tourism Minister Calvin Davis says the focus is on attracting high-value visitors. We want people who are going to come and stay in the off-season, who are going to stay for longer, who are going to visit more regions, and who in the entire time are going to spend more money in here. Julian Wood is a senior researcher at Think Tank Maxim Institute. He argued years ago that New Zealand should stop being a cheap, cheap date for tourists, and he joins me now. Julian, do you think we still are a cheap date? 
Yes, yes. Good evening, Heather. It's wonderful to talk to you. Uh, unfortunately, I think we are. We're still a cheap date. And, uh, well, it, it's nice that we're seeing a bit of movement here. Uh, but unfortunately, I think it's a bit of a still a bit of a blunt tool. And the fact is that the government collects this tax and then decides how it's going to be spent, rather than this being sort of a, a, an opportunity for our regions and for our communities to sort of make good on some of these assets. So what do we do to stop being a cheap date? What would you recommend? Oh, look, look, we just need to start charging visitors uh, for the privilege of, of seeing our, seeing New Zealand. And, I mean, we have tourists coming from all around the world, and the fact of the matter is that, that these tourists already expect to pay. They expect to, to spend money to see amazing things. Um, I spent 10 years in China. Every national park I went to in China, I paid money to see it. I was happy to. Um, does this mean that New Zealand has to fundamentally change uh, the way we do things? No. I mean, you can differentiate pricing. You can have, I mean, everywhere in China you went, the local people from the local town got in free. If you were from another part of China, you paid a, a higher price. And if you were from overseas, you paid an even higher price. And I think that's just reasonable and fair. Julie, um, it seems like it would be logistically a bit of a challenge. So how would you charge your visitors a high price and not your locals and, and manage to enforce that? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing the solutions that exist all around the world. I mean, we, we have uh, road tolls now where I drive along and I don't have to put money into a bin. I don't have to talk to anyone. Someone just takes a picture of the car and, and I'm happy with it. That's fantastic. And uh, there's ways in which New Zealanders could show their their passport and just that's it, free you're in. You see a system like this in, in Thailand where if you want to go see the Grand Palace, you just show your passport. If you're a New Zealander, you're in. If you've got evidence of, well, we do it in Auckland, for goodness sake, it's, it's a the Museum of Auckland, if, if you can show that you're a ratepayer, you walk in free. Other people, they get charged. I mean, I think there's, <laughs> but Julian, there's that's wonderful a, solutions here. I mean, it's a very clever idea, but there's, uh, the, the difference is, of course, that at the museum, you've got somebody manning the door, and once you're in, you're in, and you can't come in from any other e- entrance, whereas with a national park, for example, you can you can just jump the fence somewhere and come on in. So how do you enforce that? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there, there's enforcement issues, and this is why I think that this part of the strategy is to evaluate the options. I just think that... Um, to say that we can't find solutions or that they're just not cost-effective, I think, mm. um, might mean we just have to look a bit harder and, and think a bit harder because, you know, you're not going to stop everybody all the time. But if we can unlock these assets, if we can find a way, um, then New Zealand will be better off. Uh, these regions and places are crying out for funding, so to, you know, to cover the cost of tourism, to make these assets, to preserve them and to, to make them better. So I think I think there's just a huge opportunity here. Um, at the very other end of the tourism scale, of course, we're being asked to cater for things like freedom camping um, with better facilities. Do you think that we should put money into that or just neglect it altogether? Well, I mean, I think once again, this is where the pricing model, I think, can really help because if there's something culturally that we really want to sustain around freedom camping, then we can price accordingly. If, if New Zealand society collectively says, actually, this is not what we want, we can we can price that higher and higher to a point where it's just not feasible and, and that sends a market signal. Like I think this is the beauty of of charging for things is that you can make changes, you can adjust prices, you can say, hey, that's not working. The cost associated with this around, you know, um, toilet facilities and things like that are just too high. So we can raise that price. We can we can price it off the market, which is fantastic. Which is what you'd like to do, right? You'd like to am I right in thinking that? You'd like to price out the freedom camping? Oh, no, I mean, I, I don't have a firm opinion on freedom camping. Um, I've never actually done it myself. But I think collectively we can make these decisions and, and we can let these decisions change over time. So at the moment it's sort of an all or nothing 
and there's no way to adjust for different cultural sensitivities. Mm. So uh, this is the wonderful thing that pricing would enable. I, I don't have a firm position myself. Do you think, I mean, part of what the government's trying to do today is make this a sustainable sector. Uh, clearly it isn't at the moment sustainable. What yeah. do you think is going to make it sustainable? Oh, look, um, yeah. The, the, this tourism levy, say $35 a head, $80, $80 million in total expected a year, that's not a sustainable funding solution long term. So, I mean, I think they really do have to find a way of unlocking the the, the sort of the assets for the regions, and, and part of that is is to charge prices. Um, it's it's com- entirely reasonable for someone to say, hey, I want to come and enjoy this beautiful scenery, and I'm prepared mm. to pay for that. Um, we see that all the time all around the world. I mean, I'm more than, I, I loved it. I'd be in China. I'd pay to go and use a, a bathroom, and I'd much rather pay to use a bathroom than to have something that was free and, and not very nice. Julian, you know, lo- I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, lots to think about there. Thanks very much. Julian Wood of the Maxim Institute. It is 13 past six. We'll talk to Liam Dan next. Shower Witch is not your average shower cleaner and will completely change the way you clean your shower. The team at Northwestern Toyota were locking up for the night and thought nothing of parking the CHR and the Highlander side by side. But nine months later... The next generation of Toyota is here. The new 2019 RAV4 has arrived with next-generation looks, luxury components, and three self-charging hybrid models to choose from. Agile, dynamic, and oh-so-smart. With its go-anywhere attitude, it's like it was made for West Auckland. Get it where they do it better. Northwest and Toyota. Come on. Don't do this to me now. You're right there, Mike. Nah, battery's gone, mate. Help us out? Sure can. Just got this. When I picked up my bionic sheep capsules from a vet this morning. A super mini booster emergency power pack, eh? Yep. Connect her up and let's get you going again. Oh, thanks, mate. When reliability and proven performance matter, choose bionic sheep capsules and pick up your super mini booster from your vet while stocks last. I want furniture now. I want comfort now. If your home is in need of a makeover, you may want to check out Furniture Now. With 40 to 50% off bedroom furniture, 50% off all mattresses and more. Seasoncies apply. Furniture Now's May makeover sale on now. Manuko, Sylvia Park, Pukakoi and online. I want Furniture Now. Furniture Now. Many people choose their KiwiSaver provider because it's convenient. But wouldn't it be wiser to make your choice based on performance or customer satisfaction? In the latest Morningstar survey, the country's number one performing growth fund over the past 10 years was Milford's KiwiSaver Active Growth Fund. We also won the Consumer NZ People's Choice Award with the highest level of customer satisfaction. So isn't it time you switch to Milford? You can do it in minutes or see a product description.